Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. You're listening to Around the Dial, your one-stop shop for sports talk's best moments every day. Here's your host, CBS Sports Radio's Damon Amendolara. Welcome to Around the Dial, the best in your sports talk for Friday, March the 29th. I'm your host, DA, and half of the Elite Eight is set. We've got Virginia moving on and the other number one seed, Gonzaga, from last night. Three-seeded Purdue and three-seeded Texas Tech, all headed to the Elite Eight, the regional finals. But still the question remains, how about Duke? Everybody wants to know about Zion Williamson. Everybody wants to know about Coach K's Duke Blue Devils the number one overall seed. They now have a matchup against ACC foe Virginia Tech tonight for a crack at the Elite Eight. Is the hype around Zion too much? Here is the voice of March Madness, Jim Nance from CBS Sports on the Sports Junkies on 106.7 The Fan in D.C. This might be controversial, and there's no, not like you're going to avoid saying his name, but one of the junkies has major Zion fatigue. Yeah, I mean, what do you think? I, I don't. It's the guy sitting across from me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, already the kid's a freshman. You're already burned out on it, huh? Well, he's just, yeah, he plays for Duke. I mean, unless you go to Duke, everybody in America hates Duke. So I've, I've had my fill already, but I understand the well, rest of the country's fascinated. Well, I will tell you this. The kid... He's a spectacular young man. I met with him. I was in Columbia, South Carolina last week. We had what I think has been the game of the tournament so far, the UCF Duke game. And there's so much hype around him. And I hate hype. I really do, no matter what it's about. And this kid's definitely in the middle of, of, of the hype right now. Now, he's not asking for it. He's not looking for it. But it's just, you know, the name his actions, his personality, it's all there. And we'll see what happens. I, I'm always a little cautious, though, on these things because we, we want to already make him the next LeBron James, and maybe he will be. That's a long way off. That doesn't concern me right now. I, I'm trying to figure out who's going to win the NCAA basketball tournament this year, yeah, not what his 20-year NBA career or 10-year career is going to look like. I'm worried about this, mm-hmm. this moment, this this set of games I have tonight, and we'll let all that take care of itself. But I will tell you, kids got a lot going for him, and it's more than just what you see on the court. And Jim, to your point, it seems like he has handled all of the hype that you've been talking about remarkably well. He seems like a, like he's really wise beyond his years at this point. He won't even let you talk about him, and when you're when you sit down like we do in private, no yep. cameras rolling. He's so uncomfortable, visibly uncomfortable, when you ask a question that pertains to his ability or something that he did. He makes it always about his teammates. He's part of the team. The fact that he's 18 years old and, and he's already wired that way is such a great thing to see. You can't help but really admire his approach to all this because it's so easy at such a young, impressionable age to kind of get swept into it and feel like you are bigger and better than everybody else and he just won't even he won't even let you talk about Zion it's, right. it's always about his teammates you know the kid is 6'6 285 pounds or something close to that but he plays like he's seven one because of his leaping ability I can't believe Jim 
how quickly and how high up he gets off the ground for as big as he is. He is a physical freak of nature. He is. There's no no dispute. And sitting across from him, three feet away from him, in a meeting room last week, I'm sitting with Grant and Bill Raftery, and I'm looking at this kid's arms and just how developed he is physically. And he is so strong. And then you watch him on the court. And what you just described, uh, I've always heard the word explosiveness in basketball. I wasn't sure what that always meant. I kind of had a pretty good idea. Well, this is it. Watching him play and how fast he suddenly can take off and sky, mm-hmm. it's, that is it. It's the definition of it. There's an explosiveness to his game that, uh, well, I can go back many a year to a player that wasn't built like him, David Thompson of North Carolina State. Right. I'm going back 40-something years ago at NC State. And he was 6'4 and slight, but he had that kind of all of a sudden he was just you know, leaping over you. But it's more than just leaping ability. It's how fast he gets there and how fast he suddenly looks like he's standing still and he's taking off. So, yeah, there's a lot to like there. Now, we, we were sitting around last week trying to say, who does he remind you of that you've seen? And Grant said uh, Rodney Rogers, who played at Wake Forest. And I said uh, Wayman Tisdale, even though Wayman wasn't explosive, no, at all, but had lefties. a sensational freshman year. Right. right. And, you know, again, everybody, the, the, the media wants to make it about LeBron because that gets more clicks, more hits, more uh, discussion. But I, I'm a, I'll, I'll look forward to it playing out when, when the time is right. Yep. I just know right now I enjoy watching him play in the moment. I don't think you can say that the hype is too much because outlets are covering the best basketball player in America. And they're covering the best basketball player in America on the best basketball team in America. So what is the proper amount of coverage for that? What's the proper amount of discussion of that? Zion is not only the most exciting player in the game, he's the best on the best team still dancing into March. It'd be one thing if Duke wasn't all that good. It'd be another thing if he was just a highlight reel and nothing more, but he's the total package, so I don't know how you could say the hype is too much. Last night in the Sweet 16, an instant classic, as Tennessee clawed its way back from a huge deficit against Purdue to take the lead late, to have a two-point lead as regulation ended just before Purdue gets off a three-point shot, misses it, but is fouled. Purdue hits two of the three free throws. Tennessee doesn't get a shot off before the end of regulation, and ultimately the Boilermakers win in overtime, 99-94. In the pantheon of Tennessee basketball, painful losses. This is another one of them. But does it make it easier if you lose in a classic? Here's the guys at 92.9 in Memphis and the Jeff Calkins Show discussing. In the moment, you prefer getting blown out. Because the pain is over quickly, right? In the moment, it's the difference between uh, forty-seven. You're right. Between a a, a a kill shot, right, and a and getting pummeled, right? Correct. And so, so in the moment, last night's is worse. The, I mean, the way the Tennessee lost last night in the moment is worse. In the moment, losing the way the Bills lost when Scott Norwood looks is worse. And you'd rather just have it be done, and then you can honestly turn it off and just pretend it didn't happen. Right, you can just you I I you can turn it off, walk away, say screw this, mm-hmm. shut down emotionally, mm-hmm. etc. As, as opposed as opposed to being a light switch. Bus, which, as opposed to being exposed emotionally and raw the entire time. So in the moment, it is better to get blown out. 
But in retrospect, as you then look back on it from a point from 15 to 20 years later, I have no pleasure in those blowouts. Those are stupid. Whereas there's a kind of a pride, if only and whatever. And, 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 and that was far and away the only memorable and, and honorable Bill Super Bowl. So in the moment, better to get blown out. But 10 years from now, you'll remember being part of a classic with Tennessee. And playing, it'll feel a little better. Playing devil's advocate. Isn't it like, for instance, when you get beat by 15 or 20? No one remembers it. Like, for instance, like Elite Eight games where someone wins by 15, 20 points. Yes, but no one remembers it. But but they remember it in a – you're exactly right. But they remember it in an honorable fashion that you were part of something great. A good, clean soldier's death. Let's say Texas-USC football, right? Yes. That you remember – I don't remember uh, USC being disgraced. I remember them being part of an unbelievably great game that I enjoyed. Celtics-Lakers rivalry. I don't remember those choking Celtics or choking Lakers the year they didn't win. I just remember that they elevated each other, and so I remember them with honor. What do we do with, like, the – the Texas Rangers that were one strike away against the Cardinals multiple times. No, and that's, still, that, that, is that an like honorable there, death? There, there's nothing. The, the worst is, uh, then, okay, let me say this. The worst. Okay, so there are three kinds of losses we've okay. discussed. One is the blowout. Yes. One is the excruciating loss. Yes. And I think that in certain circles, my answer to that is in the moment, the excruciating loss is worse, but over time it's better. Then there is the other kind of loss. Choking dog loss, Atlanta Ooh, in the Super Bowl. Yeah, where you that is the worst. That one is the worst because that will haunt you forever. It is. There's no honor in it. There's no honor in being part of a quote no, unquote it, great and, game. And sometimes it could kill a franchise. And yes, and and it 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 will haunt you forever because you there are 72 things that could have gone differently and you would have won. Correct. So it's not just one play. It was well, we could even if that play doesn't happen, right. we could have uh, done this. We had 15 other chances. Choking away a game is easily the worst. That's the unquestionably the worst. I suppose it makes it slightly easier if you lose in a classic game back and forth. And I suppose it makes it easier to lose when Purdue just outplays you in overtime. But let's face it, you have the game won as long as you don't foul the three-point shooter at the end of regulation. And that was the foul. It was the right call. The shooter has contact made with him before his feet is back and planted on the floor. So, you know what? It is the right call, but I don't know if Tennessee fans can ever truly feel okay about a loss because all they ever deal with is painful losses. On the same day, the Sweet 16 was Major League Baseball's opening day, which means the debut of Bryce Harper in front of the new home fans in Philadelphia. He came to the stadium wearing a T-shirt of Gritty the Flyers mascot of the Philly Fanatic. He wore cleats that were green and themed of the Philly Fanatic, he had Illy on his bat, tattooed on his bat, a slogan, a nickname for the city of Philadelphia, and went out to right field and bowed to the fans. Bowed to the fans. So how did Bryce Harper's debut go from the perspective of Philadelphia fans? Here's Angelo Cataldi in the morning show on WIP in Philly. The other thing that I was really curious about when this game was unfolding was um, the fans being such a part of it, Harper clearly played into that. Mm -hmm. He comes out for the top of the first inning. 
Can you describe what was going on with him and the fans in right field? Oh, he was bowing to them. He was bowing to the fans. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was it was pretty fun. Like, I know he, I don't think he did it all. He did it at one point. I'm trying to remember. No, he po- came out. Yeah. There was something that went on, right? We didn't get a good shot of it on TV. But there was an exchange that went on. Uh, he's, I'm looking at it right now. He, oh, he did. He did like a "I am not worthy" yeah, kind of thing. To them, yeah, a full he did body like a, uh, bow. Yeah, a stage bow. Wow, a stage bow. Now look at. I did not think that was his style. <laughs> oh, then he gave a fist yeah, bump. No, he's Mister. He's he's a uh, he's a showman. All right, hold That's on. That's why he worth so there. much money to this team. Ava was in the area. Let's yeah. get a report from Ava Gray. Ava, what did he do with the fans so, before the first pitch? So he came out, and I. I you might have seen he fist pumped yeah. like super super hard like yeah. and I, I every he was standing looking at everybody like he took the bow he was he we were just it was so thrilling I we were I, I I'm getting so excited talking about it it was so fun having right. him standing right there it was just incredible beautiful weather yeah uh, Bryce Harper's rolling yep. in with his Pulp Fiction, gritty, <laughs> fanatic T-shirt. Right. So we're already pumped. He's got his cleats on. He comes out. That little fist pump, I'm telling you, he we got so jacked up in the crowd. Right. I, it was just, uh, I was on a stool because I was standing on like the side. I was uh, then standing on the stool. Okay. Let me hear what Harper had to say. Pipe down for a sec. I'm Here's done. Bryce Harper talking about what he did before the game with the fans. You know, I usually do that uh, to one of my bullpen catchers uh, last year. Um, so might as well do it to, uh, you know, the fans this year. So um, just something I've always done and uh, might as well do it to the fans this year. All right. Now, it was the opener. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be like that every game. They have another one tomorrow. Yeah, right? 70 degrees. But he tomorrow. said, Al, he would like that atmosphere at all times. Here's what else he said. It's great. Like I said, you know, the whole team, I think, uh, you know, it's pretty pumped and stoked about the, you know, support we had uh, in the stands. And, um, I mean, what a fan base, what a crowd we had today. And, uh, you know, if we can keep that for 162, it would be sweet. Now, I, I checked the schedule. 81 of them are on the road, so it might be a little more uh, difficult. You're going to see some road But you know what? When they go to Washington, it yeah. might be like oh, that. That'll be That's fun. next week. Exactly. All right, so anyway, it was an awesome start. I'm sorry, but, I mean, how much is too much here? I mean, you've got Bryce Harper bowing to the fans, wearing Philly Fanatic cleats, tweeting, using the hashtag with a PH for his friends or his family or whatever that is. I mean, that, to me, is laying it on too thick. Anybody that's got to lay it on that thick is clearly trying too hard, and I'm not on board. Up I-95 in Boston, the Red Sox opening up their defense of their World Series championship, but the news was in football, where the New England Patriots dealing with an abrupt resignation of defensive coach Greg Schiano. He had just taken the job a couple of months before, and Belichick had just talked about adding him to the roster and how Interested and excited he was in Belichickian excitement, quote-unquote, fashion. So what is going on with the abrupt resignation of Shiano, who cites faith and family as the reason to step aside? Here's Dale and Keefe on WEEI in Boston. So at the moment, the Patriots have a rather depleted coaching staff. Now, it may well be that they've got folks down there in the building working every single day, as apparently we think Shiano's been doing. We just don't know about it. Uh, I know that coaches are out on the on the trail here for these pro day workouts. We saw footage of uh, Dante Scarnecchi at the Boston College pro day. Right. You know, working with offensive linemen there. I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if Gerard Mayo ends up out on the. Although 
does he know enough what Belichick wants him to look for? Throw him point? into the fire. You you may you may have to. Obviously, they've spent a lot of time together, you know, different relationship, but they've spent a ton of time together. So there was a, a recent podcast, uh, or I guess it's on on Sirius. Yeah, uh, it was it was an interview during the NCAA tournament. Mike Shashevsky has a, a a rather interesting interview thing. He has and, a basketball and beyond. Yeah. with Coach K and and of one fraud. of his recent beyonds, which was a week ago, yeah. was with Bill Belichick, and they were promote, promoting it as Belichick's first one-on-one interview since the Patriots won the Super Bowl. Good get by Coach K. And Coach K. Yeah, and uh, and Coach K talked with Belichick about coaching changes. How are you? Yeah, you lose people to be head coaches in that. Have you lost some key people from your staff from this year? Yeah, so we lost five coaches this year. Four went five. to Miami, uh, one to Kansas City. It's, um, you know, as you know, it's it's part of the the price you pay for success, and uh, and those those coaches did a great job here. And um, you know, we have other younger staff members that have been working their way up, and and they'll get an opportunity as as many of the coaches have that you know have gone on to head coaching jobs. Uh, Coach McDaniel's, Coach Patricia, uh, now yeah. Coach Flores. Uh, Coach O'Brien. So, um, hopefully, we have uh, you know guys that are ready and willing to to step in. I think you know I think we'll be good there. So Mike Reese was quoting this interview, yeah, and was quoting you know the stuff that Bill Belichick said about Greg Schiano, and then they scrubbed it from the. Yeah, the they didn't interview. put it in there because they recorded this who knows how long ago, right? Yeah, it, was, it, was it was a, while, it was a ago. while ago. And then they were going to air it last night, I guess, during the uh, the start of the Sweet 16. And so Mike Reese does have the quotes, and it's you know kind of brief, classic Belichick. But he says uh, about Greg Schiano, he's a very experienced and outstanding fundamental, fundamental coach. He's a good teacher and has a lot of experience in both the college and pro, ga- pro game. I think he'll be a great addition. And so they were probably like, so well, this, wait a minute. This had to have caught... Bill Belichick by surprise. 100%. This had to have been out of the blue because he's talking to Krzyzewski about him. Oh, he's admitting that he's on the staff. Yes. He's not doing the Josh Gordon thing. Well, hey, the, the things aren't done yet or they haven't yeah. signed. Billy's standing right you know, over we, there. You know, he's practicing <laughs> with the team. He has a jersey and a locker. Like, you talk about him. But this sounded like like he'll be a great addition. Sounds like it was a done deal. Sounds like there's you know some sort of signed agreement or at least Belichick was pretty confident that he was going to be on the staff as early as whatever it was a week or two ago when he when he did this interview with him. Has Coach Yano been helping through the, the draft process? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Who knows if we'll ever get to the bottom of what exactly happened and why it is that Shiano left, but let's face it, that's it for Shiano being a head coach. I would think, I mean, he's the head coach at Rutgers and leaves for Tampa Bay. He does not work out with the Buccaneers, and people say that his modes were outdated. He didn't connect with the players. He leaves, is a defensive coordinator at Ohio State for three seasons, waits to take over perhaps for Urban Meyer. He's passed over for Ryan Day. Then Ed to the Patriots coaching staff and abruptly resigns even before the season begins, just a couple of months in, to focus on his family and his faith. Something didn't quite smell normal around here, obviously. It clearly caught the Patriots by surprise. And at this point in time, I think you can wave goodbye to the potential of Shiano ever being a head coach ever again. Basketball-wise, we are now nearing the end of the NBA's regular season. Just a couple more weeks to go before the playoffs. And all seems to be well at Golden State as the Warriors have reclaimed the number one seed in the Western Conference and appear to be, once again, the motorized engine, the robot of destruction that they are in the NBA postseason. But Jordan Bell gets suspended, and we don't really quite know why. Some reports suggested that he was caught charging 
hotel expenses to an assistant coach's credit card. So why exactly did Bell get suspended and how big a deal is this? Damon Bruce and Kolsky on 95.7 The Game in San Francisco had Steve Kerr on to ask. Of course, when everything's going good, there's always a little something out there, Steve. And you know that i got to ask you about Jordan Bell, who was suspended for a game. Let's start with this. Will he be back against Minnesota? Yeah, yeah, it was a one-game suspension, and and um, that's it. And and you know, I know you got to ask, but uh, I don't have to answer. So <laughs> this is a private team business, and we take care of that stuff, and we move on. In your playing days, did you ever charge anything to Tex Winter's room? Like I said, uh, we, we you know we we handle our business, and then we move on. Fair enough. Good try, though. I thought that was a good try. I thought that was a great question that was going to get a giggle out of you at the very least, Steve. It's a small chuckle, maybe. Since you don't want to talk about one duck, let's talk about the other ducks. Did you see the duck march at the Peabody Hotel? (laughs) (laughs) I did not see the duck march the other day, but um, when we arrived, there were, it was probably the biggest crowd that we've had all year. We get big crowds at the hotels when we pull in just because of the guys, you know, the, the guys on our team and their popularity. But uh, it, there, there might have been a thousand people there. I'm not kidding. When we pulled into Memphis the other day. So I thought it was the, the duck walk. It was just the Warriors coming in town. Though. <laughs> uh, did you notice Johnny Manziel sitting courtside last night? And did you flash the dollar sign at him? <laughs> I didn't see that. Was he there? He was there. He was there. What's, he, what, is, is there a Memphis uh, AAF, football yeah. team, the AFL? Yeah, it's, it's, well, it's, it's, the, the, new, the new league that might fold by next Monday. <laughs> What's it called? The a- a- AAF. AAF, okay. AAF. Maybe, the, maybe that's why there were so many people at the Peabody. They're just there for that <laughs> <Yeah>. next game. <laughs> Steve, as you head, yeah, as you head to Minnesota coming up next, uh, I, I know that I think it was Kareth that asked Kevin Durant if you guys have started, you know, a little scoreboard watching, and and he said, not really, but kinda. What are you looking at as as you look at your schedule and how it plays out? Obviously, the huge date coming up with Denver next week and, and their strength of schedule against your strength of schedule, or are you just worried about Carl Anthony Town? Well, you know, a little of all. You know, we we. Uh... Obviously, we're we're gearing up for Minnesota, and we'll uh, we'll have a shoot around in the morning. We've had today off, so it's good for the guys to get away. Um, but tomorrow we'll have a shoot around, and get ready for Minnesota. But yeah, I, I watch I watch other games every night and check out the standings. And you know, it's that time of year you're getting really close, and yet still a lot could happen. So it's uh, it's weird. You're you're looking at a lot of different teams. And, uh, and, you know, the results in one night can shift from five through eight. Um, all, all four teams can change spots. So it's really kind of crazy right now. Uh, it's a good try, boys. Good try. But Steve's been around the game before. And you know how you know you're not going to get an answer out of Steve Kerr? It's because he was media. Got to remember that. He was an analyst. He was a commentator. He knows the media. So he's not going to give you anything he doesn't want to give you. And in this case, he's certainly not going to go there. So it's left for us to guess. But the fact that Jordan Bell is suspended for a game or two is actually not that big a deal when it comes to whether the Warriors have a chance at becoming a three-peat champion in the NBA. That's just three in a row. That would be their fourth in five years if they win this year. 
And finally, you know our fascination surrounding the alliance. Well, what's the truth and what's the fiction surrounding the AAF story that Tom Dundon, the chairman, the guy that pumped all that money into the league, is suggesting that he might close down the league, shut it down, if he does not get an agreement with the NFLPA to use NFL players for practice squads, third stringers, etc. The clubhouse with Kyle Bailey on WFNZ in Charlotte had the author of the story from USA Today, Mike Jones, on. Again, what's real and what's not when it comes to the alliance? There were discussions between the NFL and the AAF about using players before, and they were hoping that they could get this thing in place for next year. Um, but, you know, the NFLPA not going along with that. Uh, you know, I, I don't know uh, how they thought that was going to help them immediately right now, why they wouldn't just go ahead and play out the season. But, again, if you're hemorrhaging money, tens of millions of dollars uh, every single uh, week, then, you know, these are also businessmen. Uh, they will invest, but they only invest but so much. What what advantages would there be for the NFLPA to say, yeah, we'll do this, we'll play along, you know, we'll, we'll give you our, our bottom-of-the-roster guys, our third-string quarterbacks? I mean, are there advantages, you know, are there obvious bargaining chips that, uh, that are out there? If the NFLPA thought that it would help them and it would benefit their players, then they would definitely do it. But the thing that they're really concerned about is, okay, We've negotiated a CBA that's going that that prohibits teams from being able to drill and practice their players, force them into um, work during the off season, uh, and also and that interferes with uh, rest and recovery. And you know, some people have to rehabilitate from surgery. And if they went along with this thing here, it's possible that teams could abuse power and say, "Hey, look, Jimmy, you want to be considered for a roster spot in the fall." Go down to play in Birmingham, and um, you know if you don't do that, then sorry, you know. Then the players are kind of held hostage there. But what happens if Jimmy goes out there and tears his ACL, and he can't even compete for a roster spot with the NFL? Then he loses an accrued season. He's not making money, and that affects his immediate income and his pension. And so the, the NFL PA just didn't see a benefit in this thing here. Was this a numbers thing or a top-end talent thing? Are they looking for quarterbacks with names to drive this, or is this just a sheer, um, we need more guys? Um, I think that it was more so they're looking for better talent, um, hoping also, like you said, some names would help um, draw. I know early on, the first couple weeks, I asked a number of NFL people what they thought, and they said it's great for the quarterbacks because, um, they're getting reps, and also they're, they're not playing behind very good lines. So if you can succeed as a quarterback in the AAF, then that shows you can move quickly, you can make good decisions, you can protect yourself, um, and that's all the elements that you need as you're trying to get more seasons for the NFL. But they said when they looked at it, a lot of great defensive linemen, a lot of good defensive backs, some decent wide receivers, but not very many good offensive linemen because the guys they've got right now, most teams have about 10 offensive linemen signed to their roster right now, and so you're getting, like, really not even fourth-string guys that are playing in the AAF. Um, the quality just is not there. And so that's why they were hoping they could use practice squad guys uh, from the NFL because they'd be a little bit better. They'd be able to better protect their quarterback, um, and their, their product would be better. But not having that um, is something that's hurting them. And they're, they're blaming the NFL PA for this, but their problem runs deeper than just um, the numbers of bodies they have. Uh, they have a problem with the money that they're not bringing in that they were anticipating. I think this is a power play. I think this is a very public power play. I don't see how there's any logic in shutting down the league before the end of its first season. 
If you want to reassess after the year, okay. But you can't tell me that now, after investing six weeks ago, you're suddenly going, nah, you know what, let's shut it down. Makes any sense. I've got to believe this is a power play to get the NFLPA on board before perhaps the XFL can try to strike that same deal. And that's why Dundon is making such a big deal out of this as we speak. All right, that will do it for us. The best of your sports talk for Friday, March the 29th. We'll have a final four set by the end of the weekend when we talk to you on Monday. We'll see you then, everyone. Thanks for listening to Around the Dial. Subscribe now for the best daily recap in sports talk on Radio.com or the Radio.com app. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.